Well, Jean-Paul Ganzoni, it's fantastic to have you on the podcast with us. We've been working together in relationship for like two and a half years now. It's something like that we've been going on. Maybe it's only two years. But um, uh, Jean-Paul, you've kind of worked with us from within, within an organization we've been working with. And you're now working alongside us as we go and work with other organizations and systems. And you're also helping us develop and work on the outside, the inside of the outside as we put it together. So it's just amazing to have you with us. And, and you know, we've got you down uh, on our newly created team page that isn't published yet as, a, as an OD strategist. Um, uh, which I think, you know, speaks to your experience but um, and your, kind of your area of expertise. But I feel like uh, underneath that is uh, just an enormous curiosity and willingness and hunger to find things that work for people in the world as it is right now. And, and I think it's in that that we've met. And, uh, and and in that, that our friendships have been forged. So it's just wicked to have you with us. Um, Choose, is there anything you want to say before we just dive in, mate? Yeah, I think um, that Jean-Paul, you often kind of bring forward this kind of engineering kind of Excel spreadsheet background you have, and you absolutely have that. And that's a gift and a real gap filler for us on the outside. Um, and I think what... And so I always like skill. Yes, absolutely. But something that feels like, I don't know if you would consider yourself this, but I just felt you bring real artistry, even in our last meeting you and I had together, because on one hand you said, oh, you know, I need to learn more about equity, right? In this context, what you all mean. And so you were like super open, super humble, super, I want to learn exactly what Tim said, not discounting your expertise. But then you said like five minutes later in the call, like, I think I have to watch, you know, like how much voice I'm having in team meetings and all of these. And I was like, that was brilliant. That wasn't because you've been to an equity training. It's because you have a sense of what needs to happen in a room and in a space. And so it's like that kind of artistry um, that I feel really is compelling about you. So kind of this really hard edge engineering. I can do the spreadsheet. I can look at the details and, and understand them as well as just this real intuition or sense of what needs to happen in a room. So that's part of why I love working with you. And it just feels like every time we talk, those two things come through quite strongly. Love it. So. I love it. Well, Jean-Paul, as our listeners know on the pod, we're in the middle of redesigning what the outside might be. We're trying to build an organization that is somewhat reflective of the future we want to create out there in the world in our own little pod of the outside. And as part of that, there's been lots of kind of emails going back and forth and videos shared and creative thinking. And you've had some response to that. So maybe just to bring your voice in, like, what are you seeing? What are you hearing to get our conversation going? Yeah, sure. And and first of all, yeah, as well from my side, I mean, thank you for your as well public forum welcome words, uh, and 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 your reflection about about yeah maybe my traits characteristics which as they have, as they have evolved, you know, over over a professional career, and and I think uh, yeah it is a reflection that yeah I grew up probably in a, in a household of of general practitioners which has nurtured the human beliefs and, and probably as well the, the reflective side in me, which I did very long not, not discover. I mean, I went through traditional engineering uh, training. Mm. Uh, I mean, I'm a, I'm a production and manufacturing engineer by training, 
and and already there i had moments where that i felt there was a a, a a topic which was around psychology and that already there i had an interest but it was just a, a little blip on the side and i think the longer i was at work i discovered that that i'm more inclined to yeah to this inquiry about about how making people and, and organizations successful and that became stronger and stronger and i think this is the this continuous two voices which which uh, or two monkeys i have on my shoulders <laughs> and they just they just grapple sometimes in my head uh, and and i as well you know i'm, I'm challenged by both and, mm. and i think this is exactly what what as well was was appealing for me you know to to continue on this journey because i think Frankly, it, it's thousand times more interesting to work with people. It's thousand times more complicated and complex yes. uh, than than just, with all respect, create a piece of software or something like that, which I was as well trained decades ago. So that that are maybe the the, the two forces at work. And I mean, the spark to so speak, which triggered this mail, which brought us basically to this podcast, was somehow <laughs> your your cliffhanger, you know, about about neutrality, you know. And I was thinking, oh, this sounds interesting. I mean, people may realize that I'm not South African; I'm Swiss by by nature <laughs> or by by citizenship. And and I mean, in Switzerland, yeah, neutrality is a term which. It starts at school, you know, it, it carries you along because it's a, an aspect of identity. And so I was thinking, oh, my God, this is really interesting. So now what what are they going to have to say about neutrality? <laughs> and evidently, <laughs> yeah, Tim is already blasting. And, and, and of course, it was quite something different until at some point I found out, ah, neutrality and facilitation. That's, that's the point. But, but I came right. from a totally different angle. So that, that was basically the spark, you know, how this right. uh, lift and, and, off. And, and our take on it was there's no such thing as neutrality. <laughs> Which would be and quite would... confronting for a Swiss citizen, I would think. <laughs> you know, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. And I think and I think that's as well a bit in reflecting for today. I think as well, you, I would today differentiate, so ha, the, the reflective side. You know, <laughs> I mean, on one hand, you have neutrality a bit how it is in public, you know, carried along and, and maybe also how you start to cope with this or, or, or give meaning to such a term. And, and of course, you could say, yeah, neutrality, you, you, you stand aside, you know, where uh, you, you don't take sides and, and you, you may expect that that keeps you away from, from trouble. You know, you may say you're passive. Now, I think this, this term, A, this term of neutrality already or this type of definition for me is, is way too simplistic. And I think it, it, it could be constructed as being a, a fig leaf. And, and, and definitely, uh, if I then connect this with, with as well, the coaching training I, I got uh, many years ago, yeah, or even in engineering, once, I mean, we know, once we appear as consultant, as coach, as facilitators in any setting, we start to disturb the setting. You know, we, we influence with our Absolutely. presence, with our nonverbal or verbal communication, we already influence the system. So from that angle, I buy it, you know, it's impossible to be neutral because your presence already does something to the surrounding. But but there are there is probably even more about this. And I think you you then uh, elaborated as well about that. And then uh, I still have this memory. I mean, you Tuesday, you, 
you clearly said, yeah, I, I have views. And depending on a mandate, we have beliefs and, and we make that very transparent. And therefore, no, we, we, we are not neutral, you know, full stop. You know, we, mm -hmm. we, we have preconditions and we are transparent and that's it, you know. And, and I felt that reaction was really a, a very a very good one, a strong one, because, I mean, of course, I would now give a bit of a subtlety to the interpretation of neutrality in particular, because mm -hmm. I was with the International Committee of the Red Cross for, for now four years. And, and the term neutrality and impartiality are, 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 are very big terms, which I right. even now don't, don't dare to properly interpret, but at least I have a much better understanding. And, and I believe about, about the neutrality is there are always sets of values or beliefs which you cannot shy away. You can be neutral, but you defend them. I mean, a good example, basic human rights, you know, or, or now right. even, 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 uh, yeah, this, this international humanitarian law, which, which I was exposed to with the ICRC. I mean, there are some basic rules and, and, and we, everybody deserves to benefit from those basic rules. Mm. And of course, is it difficult and controversial? But but that's a very deep belief, and and so from that angle, I think it's perfectly fine as well in a, in a professional setting as we work now to 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 be transparent and say we may be neutral, but there are sets of conditions or rules or or or, or mm. other parameters which we stick to them. We make them transparent, you know, so it's not it's not a hidden agenda. But yes, neutrality cannot shy away from that. And I think that's something which really irritated me in the in the narrative of Switzerland as, as I was younger when we were in the Cold War times, mm -hmm. because somehow neutrality was, and even probably the, the more right side uh, political uh, parties in Switzerland, they still have a bit this iconic view neutrality protected us from getting into trouble during the Second World War. Yeah, probably it was a big part of it, but there were also other acts which maybe are not always so applaudable, which mm -hmm. as well help navigate, you know, this mm -hmm. this this complex situation. So, so it's so, interesting for me that whole because <laughs> what's happening for me in the outside is that um, you know I'm, I'm slowly being told that actually me not being in meetings is beneficial, right? That. <laughs> I got, I got told it, I've been told it twice today already. And, um, and, and, and then, and their meetings internal to the outside, not necessarily client meetings, you know, and it's like, and actually because we as founders or we as people have an impact, like we're not neutral, the very arrival of the founder into a meeting is going to change the tone and of that meeting and how people behave within it, you know? And of course, you know, during the, the two and a half years of hackathon, Tuesday and I are in every meeting where we're like, we're like weaving the DNA of the organization live, you know, like, and, uh, but it's getting to a point now where actually we're beginning to distribute the weave. We're beginning to distribute the leadership across the organization. And then suddenly us being in all of those meetings, uh, can can undermine the growth rather than enable it. I don't know. There's something really interesting for me there. As we as we begin to apply the idea of neutrality, which is I'm completely comfortable with when I'm working with a group. You know, it's like yeah, of course I'm not neutral. You know, but then when it's like my own baby, when it's when it's the outside, 
you know, and it's like, oh yeah, I'm going to have a positive or negative impact just by before I've even said anything when I turn up to these meetings. And again, this is something that I know from my work within institutions and organizations. I've coached senior leaders on this. I've worked with senior leaders on this. Like we've prepared and mitigated and come up with strategies, but it's very, uh, very uh, as someone who's consulted often, you know, but never run an organization other than small nonprofits and startups. It's a, it's a change. Choose, I, I, I'm interested how that lands for you a little bit. Well, I mean, I had two responses. One is if you heard me say, uh, I didn't say you were not beneficial to have in those meetings, just by the way, if, that, if I was one of the two. Uh, so I was laughing about that. I'm like, if I was one of the two, I didn't exactly say not beneficial. Uh, but um, <laughs> that wasn't exactly the message. Uh, but I do think, uh, I, I think I, for me, it, it moves us off slightly off neutrality. So I want to make sure John Paul doesn't have any response, but I do think that what you're pointing to is a new understanding of our power and influence, mm. a new understanding of our need to let go, to let the organization grow and expand mm. Mm. Um, while still having some um, need for our guidance and protection. So I just think we're in a really interesting right. leadership space that... Um, yeah, I don't, I, it feels a little bit like it takes us off in neutrality, but I think it's about power. I think it's about influence. I think it's about our own willingness to let go of control and still have accountability. I think it's, you know, all the things that we talk to leaders about all the time. I think we're just really in it. But isn't that the essence of neutrality? Is like, I often think people coin neutrality as a way of avoiding talking about all of those things. Right? Oh, this, yeah. Do you know Maybe. what I mean? Like, I yeah. actually feel like yeah. neutral, neutrality becomes this way to like wash out some of the most meaningful, transformative, important conversations for us to have in groups or among ourselves as leaders or understanding our impact as leaders. And so, I, I, I mean, I, I feel like what you're pointing at is exactly why neutrality is an, is, is an important conversation, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. But I think to, to, to come back on that one, I, I would agree. Let's say the term neutrality, and this is maybe what I meant at the beginning, when I as well was a bit grappling with the term of neutrality, I think sometimes this is used as a, yeah, as a fig leaf, it's used as a bit of a weak argument to stay away from difficult conversations, mm -hmm. to shy away, you know, maybe, uh, yeah, not, not to, to be opinionated, maybe about conflicts and, and so on. But, but I think the, and of course, now the question is again, what exactly is it about, you know? So I would argue, uh, you know, for example, as, as outsiders, we probably will never shy away from, from all, the, all the process questions about the facilitation, because that's something we, we are convinced that's our strength. That's what we do really good. So, so that's where that we always want to be opinionated and clearly not neutral. Now, I think the interesting question is, how neutral are we when we are observing how that now a client is developing uh, its substance, you know, and, and at which point, you know, do we, do we maybe offer information or do we offer advice? Do we offer consultancy? Do we offer solutioning? 
or I mean, we'll hopefully never go and implement on behalf of the client. But I think these terms are the ranges of interventions as maybe more traditional consultancy firms are, are intervening. And I think that's where that then again, uh, we, we, we need to be really considered, you know, where do, does it end or not? I love what you just said, because truly, you know, because my first reaction was like, well, I kind of like 76 right ways to do something, however you decide to do it, client, as long as it doesn't hurt people, I'm down. But that's not true at all either. You know, we give all sorts of feedback and input and we want you to talk to this person because we like their thinking or would you consider that? We do that all of the time. And John Paul, if I just like even like widen my gaze a little bit, the three of us, although in separate conversations, have even been in a conversation around neutrality around what clients we take on. That like... Are they doing good in the world? Is there a possibility for them to do good in the world? What if they're doing good in the world in the way that we don't like to see good done in the world? Is it still good? I, I feel like we're right now at a point of saying, who will even take on as clients, right? As more opportunities come, but it's not even about that. It's actually about our orientation to our clients and our work. And I don't think we're neutral mm -hmm. there either, unless I use your kind of more nuanced definition, which is more like, okay, uh, I can have all these parameters in place and design principles in place. And then within that, I can be fairly neutral, right? I can see where it takes me. I can be open to what's possible, but there are some tight parameters. So I don't know if that was clear, but I just, I feel like we're talking about on multiple levels. We're talking about it like in the work of the outside in how we work with clients, and then even what clients were willing to take on. Well, I mean, our, our stance to date, which has been a Tim and Tuesday stance rather than an outside team stance, right? Our stance to date has been, we'll work with anyone if we feel there's a genuine opportunity for systems change with equity at the center. You know, and we do. We're pretty rigorous and increasingly rigorous about assessing appetite, assessing willingness, all of that. You know, we I, I, we've said that from the beginning. Like, we'll go anywhere and work with anyone if there's a. And, and in some ways, the more stuck the institution, then the more kind of intriguing it might be to us. In some ways, you, you know what I mean. The, there's some kind of like, oh, there's a real challenge there. You know, and so. Though we have said no to work prior to this, we've said absolutely. no. Absolutely, yeah, know, I want to say that too, right? We, you know, we've we have said we, no. We, we've looked at a very large private sector organisation in Eastern Canada and said, no, we actually think all we would be doing is accelerating an organisation's ability to cause harm. We can't see any way we would be able to do good here, and and then we chose well, not to do that piece of work, right? And I think Tim that that actually and it did the reason we were able to, willing to talk with them is because they did want to do systems change. They were prioritizing mm -hmm. issues of equity, right? So in on the surface, mm -hmm. it looked like it fit. When we got in, it was like, oh, mm -hmm. no, no, we're actually, uh, you, uh, you might meet that first kind of filter, but every filter beyond that, you're not meeting, right? Will this actually do good or will it do harm? Yeah. When we say equity, does it mean just kind of yeah. serving more people people of color in an exploitive system? Because I don't know that that's what we're, you know, we're not down with that. Right. Right. 
Uh, so you might be giving more people of color access, and but like yeah. your system's deeply problematic. And so, yes, yeah, so we have, I think it's important to say we have said no, that's a great first filter. And I think, I, I still think, and I'll be interested to see what the, what the business model team comes up with and our theory of change team comes up with, but I still feel pretty strongly that we have to have some openness to have a conversation, even if we decide down the road, it's not what we want to do. John Paul, how's that land yeah, for I think you? On, on, on this some openness. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I agree with you, let's say, and, and, and we may hop around, you know, where do we apply the concept of neutrality or maybe, again, a concept of what are the, the principles we defend for and, and, and maybe, and, 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 and what are other principles where that we are maybe more flexible? You know, I think that's probably a bit at the heart, you know, behind this conversation. And, and I think, uh, yeah, now are we where you're just elaborating on, 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 on client engagement, you know, which, which is one area to, let's say, apply this thinking. Um, I mean, I, I personally believe, and, and here, as, as, as Tim already as well, uh, I think mentioned earlier, I personally still need to catch up a little bit further in, in understanding the term and the definition of equity and, and, and just how, how does this illustrate? Uh, and I think based on that, yeah, I think we have choices, you know, we have choices if if the true purpose is, is, is as you said, you know, uh, yeah, improve improve equality, you know, from, from different dimensions, maybe from, from a client's perspective or for the employees in the organization, uh, or, or maybe even even for how that, that they are rewarded. But, but and, 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 and again, where, where are then the boundaries, you know, and, and, and is it then maybe okay, you know, to engage with, with a, a highly capitalistic private sector organization, yes or no? I think it's then an interesting, it's an interesting provocative question, you know, and, and I think the, the a lesson learned I have from the ICRC is, and, and that's probably <laughs> neutrality is super complex, you know? So if you choose mm. for neutrality, it's more complicated than take a side. Mm-hmm. And, and I think even with the, that you mentioned, don't do not harm, I think, yeah. And doing not harm may as well imply that you need to talk to some of the adversaries or, or people you really, really struggle to engage, you know, but still, it may be an element and a contribution to a better outcome and even in service of neutrality because you want to talk to everybody because part mm-hmm. of neutrality is if you talk to A, you also need to talk to B. You need to talk to both parties. You want to hear both sides of the stories. And and I think these are these shortcomings which normally people don't give consideration uh, around neutrality. Uh, and, and it's really, really deep and rich, you know, what, 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 what I have just observed, but maybe also learned uh, over, over the past four years with, with the ICRC. You're reminding me, Jean-Paul, about, um, I was a psychotherapist for a short amount of time and I really liked it and didn't like it for lots of reasons. But one of the things I realized was that, um, once you talk to people, you understand why they do what they do just as a baseline. You might not agree with what they're doing, but you understand why they're doing it. You might wish they make, would make a different decision. You might think their thinking is wrong-headed, all of those things. But you do actually, I remember, like, I feel like one of my big lessons from being a therapist is that people aren't stupid. 
as much as we want to paint them that way, as much as we want to say the other political side is so dumb and they just don't get it or however we want to paint people. Once you talk to people, you actually understand why they think and behave the way they do. And so that feels, and like I said, it doesn't mean you have to agree with it. And so that feels like a key piece of what you're talking about. How can I, how can I not go at something in a, how can I go, go towards something in a more holistic way without hearing various perspectives on it? You know, and like some of those will be adversarial. Some will just be like pure capitalistic for capitalism's sake, you know, capital is what should run the world all the way to people who are like capital is the enemy, capitalism is the enemy. And so it is quite interesting how much we can dig in to like, no, this is my side, right? Even though I haven't even heard the story or had an understanding of the other side. Yeah. Tim, you have been so quiet. I mean, I, I don't feel like I have. I feel like I've said a lot. Um, but um, well, I'm just I'm just thinking about even like the tensions within the outside, you know, of of uh, like growth. To what to what size? What's acceptable growth? What's greed? What's greedy growth? You, you know, um, thinking there are outsiders who very specifically stand for degrowth. As, a, as an economic stance, you know, greater localization as we become more international, you know, and I, I just feel, I, I can just feel like, yeah, I mean, I don't have an answer, I guess, other than like, I loved what you said, um, uh, Jean-Paul, which is that a stance of neutrality, you know, actually is far more complex than taking a side. You know, and that feels very true of how the outside approaches change. I feel like we are, we spend our life, our, our life, our life, our life, nonetheless, <laughs> we spend our life in the gap somewhere, you know, in the void between right or wrong. You know, like our, our job in many ways is knitting together conflicting perspectives and peoples around work. There's something we can do together. Right. That even yeah. that even though we disagree, maybe fundamentally, you know, we could still do this together. And as a result, get to know some of those stories that you're pointing at choose. And also as a result, something changes in me personally, but also among us. And in the midst of that, we get some good shit done. Like we actually advance something for the good. And I, so I just feel like your description of neutrality is something you know, I feel like it's almost a description of the outside's work. But all too often, I feel like neutrality becomes a way to hide from that complexity, you know, to step outside of it and choose not to participate. Oh, I'm holding and the edge. I think ed that's wrong. Personally, I'm, yeah, I think I'm, I'm holding the edge, you know, and yeah, I, yeah. I agree that's wrong. Yeah. I think that's wrong. I think there uh, another perspective shall be taken. But I think the other the other one is, I mean, <laughs> what what is entertaining for me to so speak now being new inside the outside is is exactly seeing you, you know, in this in this discourse uh, where that where that I think, yeah, I, I just need to tell you. I mean, 
you hold a role, you know, and, and by the fact that you are the founders, there are limitations for you to facilitate this process uh, because that's what you're also telling to your clients, you know. You, no, you, you will tell them, hey, create safe space, let the teams develop something, give them the parameters, they will come back and they, they give you then optionality and then, and then yeah. you know, you can have a debate and it's also perfectly fine that you have the final voice in a decision, you know. So, so I think uh, it, it's just his realization. But in parallel, having these, these effects now taking place, I think they are a huge opportunity because I think you, you can now experience yourself another side of what our clients experience. Absolutely. And I think, again, it is, a, it is a fantastic opportunity to learn so that at some point we can do even a better job in facilitating and, and, and supporting our clients along such a journey. Because, yeah, maybe we, 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 we were privileged in, in certain roles and now suddenly we gain self-experience on, on, on other roads. Now, again, uh, I, I, it's easy for me to say because I'm new, I'm maybe not yet so entangled, but I know that once you join an organization, it's a question of months, weeks, months, and suddenly your incoming naivety and, and absence of knowledge, which maybe helps you at the beginning of being mm. neutral, is just exponentially uh, evaporating, you know, mm. but it's as well an opportunity. Mm, that's totally true. I absolutely feel like my ability to be supportive of senior leaders uh, is increasing because of my own stepping into senior leadership within the outside. I mean, I think, you know, a few years ago, I stepped into senior leadership in my field, you know, in the networks I was part of. Like, I feel like that feels familiar ground to me. But to now, you know, this is organizational senior leadership and it's different again you know and uh and i think that's kind of what i like about it like i like it that i'm learning like genuinely like you know it feels generative it feels provocative it feels challenging it feels like it's stretching me and and all of that is invigorating for me all of that makes me want to come to work <laughs> you know what i mean when when there's when there's that kind of when the environment itself is challenging me to grow it's almost like that's the kind of environment I want to be in. And, and so that's exciting. Yeah. Cheers. Yeah. I mean, I think that this is all that's up in John Paul. I think it's just invaluable to have you with us kind mm. of pointing at some of these pieces for mm. us. You know, it's almost like, like you said, just a, a, enough outside still to kind of point to um, some of what could happen or needs to happen and, and what you're seeing as well and just pointing it out. You know, it's just, again, when it becomes the water you swim in, it's the water you swim in. It just is. And so it's quite hard to, to like look around and feel that water against your gills. Um, mm. I'm wondering if we, I'm wondering just kind of looking, if we want to do a bit of a shift because Jean-Paul, you asked him a really provocative question, provocative enough that he sent me a text right away and was like, this is the question John Paul just asked me. And I, I was like, oh, okay. And so I, I don't know. I think maybe I said, let's have him on the podcast. I don't remember how all that happened, but it feels like that might be time to move into that particular conversation, Tim. What do you think? Let's do it. Yeah. And I think this is another place where we may not be neutral. You know, no. I think it's, I think it's somewhere where we're deeply curious. I think it's somewhere where we're very open. 
I don't think anyone can predict the future. But the question that Jean-Paul asked us was, what are your wildest dreams for the outside in five years? You know? And, yeah, and, correct. Yep. Right. And yeah. And, <laughs> and Jean-Paul, can, yeah, yeah, can you ask me, out. What, was, what was behind it? What was happening that you like wanted to pose that question to us? Well, I think I think it ultimately it ultimately was was for me a question on, on, on one hand, I think there were two motives behind of it. I think one was a bit to test this growth scenario, you know, like like mm -hmm. I mean just what what's your thinking, you know? I mean, mm -hmm. is it really like like you know, let's say very controlled growth, or is it just just let go wild, you know, and somehow the sky is the limit. So it was a bit testing the waters on that axis. And I think I think the other the other axis beside of growth is as well maybe testing a bit the axis of, of creating wealth. I mean, wealth is important for all of us as well for, 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 for the colleagues of us, but also there. I mean, what is it? I mean, is it ultimately to create, you know, a, a nice golden nugget and then at some point you sell it and you go out and I don't know, you go for sailing trips on the road because that's basically <laughs> what you have never done and you're secretly, you know, aiming to do so. I don't know, you know, but, but yeah. and, 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 and so these were a bit the two axes where that I was thinking, okay, let's ask, where, where are the dreams, you know, and, and I'm super curious to, to hear where are the dreams, if, if they are already, if they have taken contours or not. I, I don't know. Well, Tuesday and I have two secret things that we've always talked about. Shh, they're a secret. <laughs> and of course, Jean-Paul, you'll be bound by non-disclosure, as will all of our thousands of <laughs> listeners upon hearing this. Exactly. <laughs> and the, the first one was that um, when we started The Outside, we were both already overworked. We both had way more requests to do work than we could possibly ever respond to. Um, and so uh, um, and so we we had this little mantra between us, which was like, oh, I wonder if we could work less and make more, you know, was one of the kind of questions we asked ourselves right at the outset. And then one of our founding dreams was also to end up, I, I don't know why we chose Fiji, <laughs> We were actually talking about it this morning. <laughs> I think it's because my wife went there when she toured around the world when she was younger and she just told me such amazing stories of it. But we kind of have this like long-term dream of like ending up on a hut on a beach in Fiji and then we've made it, you know? And like those are two mm -hmm. kind of like almost like ongoing jokes between Tuesday and I uh, that go right back to the fact, I mean, like, five years ago, even before we even started the out, he was like, how do we work less and make more? How does this not feel so exhausting, but still so good? And how does like working less not cost us the quality of life we're trying to build, mm -hmm. not just for our children, but for our grandchildren, our grandchildren and great grandchildren, you know, and in our, and being able to invest in our communities, which, are, you know, it's a big part of our lives. And, and so, and so I think there's, so I think that's it. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's a silly place to start, but it felt like an honest place to start, you know? And I've got lots of ideas about what my wildest dreams might be, but choose, yeah. Well, I, yeah, those were, those are the two things, Jean-Paul. And I think it's, it's funny because at some point, I think last year, we're like, wait, 
We're definitely doing half of that equation. We are making more. We are, however, not working less. And so, and again, this is a little bit, we're in that right now. What is the structure of the outside? Not that, I mean, I think Tim and I both enjoy working. It's not, you know, it's, oh, yeah. it's not, we want to be doing the right work, um, but perhaps the pace, right? The pace is just intense. Um, so that seems both of those places. And I think Fiji, because warm, tropical. But I, what I also think is interesting just to name Jean-Paul, as we talked about, you know, like, We'd have two huts in Fiji that we could like hang out every day and then go back to our huts, right? Yeah. And so like, I also oh, yeah. just like want to name wildest dream, like part of the wildest dream, make enough, right? Do good work, have some relaxation. But also I think Tim and I see each other as in each other's future, right? Yeah. So I just think that's important oh God, to yeah. kind of name that that's um, – because that feels important. It doesn't feel like the outside is just a business partnership that in 20 years, let's sell it you go to your, you know, place and I'll go to mine. It feels like this is, it's still a real friendship piece is in the wildest dreams future. And so I think that that feels important to name. And I'm also just, and I, Tim, I'd love to hear your wildest dreams first, not because I always make you talk first, oh, but come because on. That happens every time, every time, every time, but listen, I have, a, I have a, I have a lens on it that I want to share with you. I have a, <laughs> I have a real, I have a real question. If, that they, I, I have a real question because I have a real allergy to kind of wildest dream kind of questions. And I have a, I have a wondering if it's a class thing. Oh yeah. Right. I just not certainly, not certainly that people who have low, lower income class backgrounds don't dream and they do. I, that's not at all what I'm saying, but in some ways I'm kind of living my wildest dream, you know, coming from a trailer park and having hunger and having all sorts of trauma in my early life. Like, what, more than this? Yeah, th this, but not. Uh, so I, I always, I always like, oh, wait, I don't, I don't, my dreams aren't big enough is what I consistently find is my dreams aren't big enough for what I, what my life has become and mm. what it could become. Um. And so I don't know if that's like an early childhood trauma background or a class thing or just a personality trait. I don't know. But uh, I was like, oh, I can't wait to hear Mary's dreams. I'll bet they'll spark mine. Jean-Paul, that video you sent through. So cool. Around the, was so cool. And I was like, oh my gosh, I think I could see it for the outside. But before yep. that video, I, there was no part of me that could imagine what you just said. So I, I always say some, sometimes... I lack imagination when I'm just given your dreams question. I'm like, uh, I don't know this. So that's why I'm asking you to answer first, Tim. And if you don't, I mean, obviously you're classist. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good. <laughs> well, I would like to own that piece first. I'm without a doubt classist. <laughs> I live with that every day. I, I, I try to become more conscious of it, but you know, I'm sure I'm failing. And, uh, so the, the only other thing, so Wildest Dreams for me, um, and it's interesting because I can answer Wildest Dreams for me personally, but for the organization. So here's some of the things I'd like for the outside to get to, whether it's five years or not. I'd like us to be able to be philanthropic, right? I'd like the outside to have got to the point where we have wealth to spend on things we care about, where a client could approach us, and we could be so excited by them that we'd be like, we'll take 50% of that because we want in. 
you know, right? And actually the fact that you're struggling to find the wealth to pay people to be part of this initiative, we're going in. The outside foundation is going in on this with you, you know? And I don't know if that's a model, but I, I this idea of being philanthropic is compelling for me. I want us to be able to have enough wealth to invest in being absolutely cutting edge in our field, right? I want other people in our field to be looking at us and saying, holy shit, they're doing it. Let's work in their wake. And I think that takes investment. I think that takes investment in our people. I think that takes investment in product development. I think that takes investment in public relations, public relations and marketing and publishing. But I really, I feel like we're doing something magnificent here. And, and, and we're building something magnificent. And I want that to be seen. And I want that to have influence. And I think that takes investment. That doesn't just take making enough money to pay everybody well. That takes making enough money to pay everybody well, right? And to have some for this thing to become truly visible in the world. And I think that's where I go next. I want people to stay with the outside. And I want them to stay with the outside because they love the work, they love the people, and they're paid really well, right? And I, I, want, I want this to be, when we say one of our founding principles is generous, I want this to be generous in every way and economic too. I don't want anybody to feel unhappy with what they're getting paid ultimately, you know, and I know we're moving towards that. So I think that's what I begin to in, in imagine is this kind of like highly generative, highly creative, um, ideas, rich product, rich money, rich people, rich environment, you know, that, um, that not only has its own momentum, but has a gravitational pull through space and time that is drawing others along with it. There you go. That's my first kick at the can. I love it. Can and I, I provoke? Yeah, please. Absolutely. Can I provoke? <laughs> I, 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 no, I think I like, I like the, the, what you say, but let it say that way. And, 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 and again, I'm, yeah, I, I lived I lived in the corporate world, and 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 again, I'm thankful for my time in the corporate world. But I'm also at the point where that I say, in certain things, I don't want to live any longer. And and I think all what you said about the generosity and so on, I would immediately subscribe. You know that that's also why that I'm thrilled to contribute to this journey in the outside, and so forth. Uh, I think my my provocation would be. Let's do that with, with the outside and not, not basically turn the outside into a money printing machine so mm. that with the outside mm. foundation, which would be level two, we are going to do that because uh, I think we can, we can look around into the corporate world. And some of these people, even in this pandemic, they make bizarre amounts of money and they have relative mediocre or unacceptable working conditions. So within their organizations, sorry, they are not living to my standards. Mm. And then somehow through their foundations, then, then they start still doing good. And personally, I would just opt for a model which does it first and right without then going through the second level through, through foundation. So love that's it. maybe my, my provocation in this. Yeah, I think that's great, Jean-Paul, because I was Love thinking it. as you were, that's great. As you were talking, I was thinking, um, right, so Walmart 
right, is one of the biggest contributors to food banks, right? Mm. And they give excess produce and food to food banks. They're a great contributor. And yet many of their employees have to use food banks, right? Because they're not paying them a livable wage, right? So we don't want to, so it's, I I really, um, really take that to heart. I think what we've said, and I guess this to me and my, I think my wildest dreams are a little more um, abstract in that uh, I want to say things like in five years, we will look back and say how we grew um was um as important as that we grew and the work that we're doing so that how we got to being um the organization we will be in 5 years however big that is and i don't know what that and i don't have you know uh that we'll be able to look back and like oh we did that with intention with intelligence in a way that reflects our values I want to be written up in five years as a company who did things differently, who actually put equity at the center as we did our work, right? And so now, yes, obviously all of our teams are going to be multiracial, multigender, cross-nationality and cross-class because we grew that way, that our DNA is, is, is shown out how, wherever we are in five years, our DNA is front and center and maybe getting recognition and maybe getting um uh, people wanting to learn from us, and uh, but that that idea of h- how we grow will be just as important as the work that we do in the world. Now, I also have ambitions for our work in the world, right? So when we say five years, like I want to be working in the most leading edge social issues of the day, right? I want to be looking at climate change. I want to be looking at conservation. I want to be looking at race. I want to be looking at violence. I want like ICRC was great because of post-conflict and war. Like that's the work I want to be doing. I do I don't have any desire for our work to be primarily uh private sector if it's not doing that work. Mm, like agreed. so um so as we do the content of the work that matters to me, then I want the how we're doing it to not be lost. I feel like we have that so strongly right now. And so I think that's why this video you sent us, and maybe we can send a link to the video in the show notes, Jen. Yeah. But um, this this video you sent us, when they talked about kind of self-managing teams of 11 or 12 that went out, I'm like, oh, that's what we're doing. We could simply replicate that to 20 projects across the world, right? That would be amazing. Um, Tim's eyes just kind of got a little big, but that, I mean, I could see something like that, but it's not that we've built this huge bureaucracy and infrastructure. It's that we're doing the work and it matters how. So that's kind of part of what I'm thinking. And then the other thing I think in my wildest dream, and I don't know how this would work, is that every outsider, um, feels all of our, our core principles, but also feels connected to, um, both the work, but feels really connected in relationship. Like in my wildest dreams, five years from now, all the outsiders would like know Tim and I and be able to like say hello to us and have a relationship in some way. I don't, I don't know if that's realistic. I'm a baby leader of a burgeoning organization. Maybe that's not possible, but that would be my goal is that people have access to Tim and I quite regularly in a way that works for everybody that they can be in relationship, mostly with each other, of course, because there's only two of us, but, um, but also with us. That's what I got. There was at the end of that video you sent around Jean-Paul, there was three things that came up that struck me. 
Um, and they had it as like kind of like their closing credits. And, and as principles, I liked them, which was scale without hierarchy, right? And I'm not sure I completely agree with an absence of hierarchy, but like scale with minimal hierarchy, right? I think alignment without bureaucracy, right? And so that talks to me about very efficient workflows, right? And then autonomy without anarchy, you know, allowing people to be autonomous, creating conditions for people to lead without that becoming so chaotic that everything falls apart, you know? And then you added another one, which was humanity above quick wings, you know? So rather than, rather than rushing in to get to the finish line, where, you know, we're actually putting humanity, the journey of people figuring things out together right at the center of it, which I thought was great too. And I think, I think this, this, this discussion for me shows several elements. Uh, I, I fully agree Tuesday. I mean, part, part of the DNA of the outside, part of the uniqueness and the success of the outside is exactly caring primarily about the how and then the what follows. That's why that I also, you know, made that provocative statement, uh, humanity over quick wins, you know, because they, we have always this genuine impatience, in, 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 in we need somehow to resist to. Uh, and, and I think the other element, and, and I think this would be super interesting to hear as well, all the other colleagues from the outside mm. as what what would be their, their few cents into these provocative statements, you know, because I believe that could exactly be a step to, to jointly listen and agree to what are those principles which really constitute these, 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 these elements uh, we then take as orientation going forward. And, and I think on that basis, I mean, my prediction is this could be relatively straightforward. I think people have there quite, quite some aligned views. Mm, but maybe yeah. I'm not yet proven to be right. Let's see. That's why it is fun working together and we'll figure it out, you know. But I think <laughs> the other element as well to mention is, and you referenced to, to it several times, and let's maybe also repeat it here. Again, in this situation, you would advise to the leaders of a client, you leaders, you're not alone. You have powerful, smart people around you who contribute to you to find the solution. So don't drive you too nuts now in saying, oh, we are now under this difficult situation. Yeah, you have a super strong team. Mm-hmm. Involve them. And, 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 and I think the collective will find uh, the, the, the right response, you know. Hmm. Yeah, I hope so too. I feel that. I mean, that's, the, that's, the, uh, that's certainly the hypothesis we're working with right now is to like set up distributed teams who can move forward kind of where the outside's going. But it assumes, or and, not bad, I should never say but, and it assumes evidently that, that, that the colleagues, they basically, yeah, have the capabilities and the willingness to be empowered to contribute to this, again, complicated or complex discussion. And, and I would not ignore that maybe in, in, in some other organizations we advise, not everybody is in for that, for that journey, you know? Mm-hmm. And I have that often seen. I mean, I remember a very good colleague from some volunteer work I did, and he looked at me and he said, look, 
it's great you're the commander. I love to be the deputy in your shadow. Full mm. stop. Mm -hmm. uh, so and and it, but at least it was very clear and and we knew okay these are the rules of the game so so let's 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 align ourselves along these rules and and I have often seen this you know so let's not not push everybody you know to be the the smartest and the wisest and so on and let's accept the team the team needs many capabilities you know and 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 and, and I think that's another element to to remember. Jean-Paul, I believe that in the lead up to this call, uh, we gave you just enough time to pick out your favorite song, but also to find us a quote. So I would love, as we move into the final minutes of the podcast here, uh, uh, just like, just what, what was the song and why this song? Okay, the song, the song is, a, is a very, uh, is, is one which I keep somehow whistling myself if I'm gardening or if I'm on myself. And it's basically, I mean, I, I grew up with two languages, Swiss, German and Roman. So uh, it's, a, it's a Roman song and the mm. title is Schaufus una randolina, which means if I could be a swallow. Oh. And it is basically a, a love song which starts, the refrain is, if I would be a swallow, I would fly on the heart of my loved one. Schaufus na randulina, eschaus avesvolar, sulcorda macharina, jessiente wam plachar. Schaufus na randulina, and I, I like this so much, you know, I mean, the music is beautiful and, uh, and, and at least the refrain, which is what I always remember, is so beautiful. So that's my love. That's my song. Chofis Narandolina. Swallows are one of my favorite animals, and it was actually the logo of my organization of Tim Merry was a swallow, right? So that's amazing. Yeah. 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 I, thought, I, I knew as soon as you said swallow, I was like, oh, Tim. But I, that's beautiful. That's amazing. Beautiful, and it'll be lovely. It'll be lovely for folks to hear it. So love it. Happy to share that one. And, and then uh, the you, quote. You, huh? Wait, 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 wait. You don't get away that easily <laughs> because. <laughs> Because what we did ask you to do was to come with a poem. And he was like, no, well, I, I hate poetry. And so, and so could you tell us a little bit why you don't like poetry? No, because I think it's, I, I genuinely think it's really important. And, uh, and then read us the quote. But and, then, and then I resolve it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I think, I think this is, this is, um, how did you say it? I mean, I think this is my my uh, my high school drama, to so speak. I mean, mm. I was not really excited about the high school I was in. I just had to do it, you know. And amongst other things, we were we were told to learn poems in high German, and we had to memorize them. And again, mm. as a Swiss, the good the high German is already a different language, and you have some associations which are not always maybe at every moment the most positive ones. Mm. So. I had a, 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 a lack of affinity to the language. I was forced to memorize. 
And basically I was just a sloppy student. I want to do music and not waste my time with memorizing <laughs> poems. Sounds and reasonable to I, me. And I collected a lot of red marks, you know, I got calls to teachers and I hold my line for my life. So, ah. you know, so I'm, I'm just, I'm very consequent. So that's maybe a the like rebel it. side in me is that I hate poems. So ah. everybody always <laughs> uh, attached to poems, you know. <laughs> well. I love it. And I'm also at some point, we're going to have to have this conversation because uh, again, if you think about the, the nuances of equity work, like you just said, it's several things. I have two languages. I had to learn this in high German, which sometimes wasn't, has the positive association. Like, I feel like there's a lot underneath that, Jean-Paul. Um, and at some point, I'd love, right? I'd love to just talk with you about it and hear about it and maybe share it with the outsiders um, and, and our audience. Because I think that the more that we nuance, right, difference, the more that we understand that different, different groups that might look a certain way, right, on first blush, have all of these varied experiences, I think it can only be helpful. So I'd love to hear more at some point. Not today. Maybe you'll be on the podcast again. I love it. Well, in, in lieu of a poem, you have brought forward a quote that's inspired you and you were going to yeah, read that today. Yeah, 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 right? yeah. And there, that again, that one came as well. It, it goes back to, the, to my childhood, evidently. And there was... Uh, my mom, she had a room where that she did her, her working at home. And, and in that room, there was a little small print with, with a quote. And again, sorry, it's two languages. It was in Roman. So uh, in Roman, it says, Now, what does that mean in English? If you cannot lift the stone, you have to roll the stone. And, and honestly, I think this is such a wise quote, you know, which I always, I, it, it always comes back to me. If something insumerable is in front of me, don't lift it. You can roll it. There are alternatives. And, mm. and so that is really a, a quote which has inspired me and which remembers me about my mother, but also uh, is, a, is a really a good orientation for challenges in life. Oh, I just love that. Thank you, Jean-Paul. So good. And thank you, thank you to our listeners as well for coming along the ride with us on this fine day and, uh, this, and, and just the overall journey. I was thinking about the journey we've been on in season three from these like super expansive early conversations to now getting into like the evolution of the organization and the structure and leadership, you know, it's almost done the opposite of other seasons where we started super practical and then expanded. So uh, it's good to have you with us folks and keep tuning in. You can find all of the music uh, and the poetry and the quotes on the show notes at findtheoutside.com backslash podcast and also the music on the podcast playlist uh, on Spotify, find the outside, just search for that. That's right. And don't forget, don't lift the stone if you can roll the stone. See you all later. <laughs> Take care, Thanks, folks. Thanks, friends. Bye-bye. Take care.